thank you next i'm megan and i'm rachel and that's clifford and that's clifford (laughs) behind me and honey's just standing here staring at me honey is the one that opened the door yes my dog knows how to open doors she'll have to post a video but it is (laughs) truly one of the scariest things i've ever seen (laughs) the length of one dog's body i know oh my god and the sheer intelligence (laughs) to open a door is like a horror movie it's just like because sometimes she misses and it's just like you hear the kathonk and it's like what (gasps) was that (laughs) and you realize oh honey's just trying to break on through (laughs) terrifying absolutely terrifying no privacy no none none in this house and this you need to get locks for all your doors I know I'm recording in a room that doesn't have a lock on the door. That knocking is her tail wagging. <laughs> she's, she's very stoked on what she's done. She has don't, don't be alarmed. Room. Yeah. She's like, aren't you proud of me? <laughs> Hi, yes. Very proud. Very proud. Hello. Oh my goodness. So movie topic. I still haven't oh, watched yeah. it yet, but it came out today. Guys, there's a new thriller movie that just came out on HBO Max. I almost called it HBO Go. Is it wasn't that what it used to be called? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're wrong, but you can't get that up anymore. Not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the movie's called The Little Things and it's a crime thriller. It's got Denzel in it. Who doesn't love Denzel? I mean honestly yeah. just watch it for Denzel. Just watch it for Denzel. Watch yeah, it for so the that- man Denzel. That's oh, and be the guy that cool did Freddie Mercury. I just always think of him in his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> he made spot on faces, guys. Just like little rats. <laughs> <laughs> if you were picturing little rats, that's what that's, we look like. That's what we look like. Yeah, it's got Rami Malik in it. Those two are the investigators. And Jared Leto is the guy who's very suspicious. We're trying to figure out who is killing these women. So that's our recommendation. If you haven't already seen it, this is coming out in two weeks. A week. It's coming uh, out. A week. Oh, okay. A week from when it comes out. A week. We're a little early. Yeah, we're a little early. <gasps> they, we're recording. They filmed it in Santa Clarita. <gasps> did they? That's, yeah, they did. Oh my gosh. I'm interested to see. I know. Let's see if we can recognize some of the spots that they recorded or recorded. Film. (laughs) Film recorded. (laughs) They're recording their film. They are. They are recording it on film. Sorry. (laughs) It's just giant, giant animals. It's like having horses in the house. Yeah, truly. They're so big. Like having Buddy and he's so small. I'm just very grateful. (laughs) (laughs) that you have a smaller smaller animal like when he like is in my way I just like lift him (laughs) and move him to another location oh there is no such thing with these especially Clifford oh my god he's like 80 pounds like oh my over 80 pounds honey's probably in the 60 pound range but Clifford's he's a big boy he has trouble getting up on our bed sometimes we gotta help up help his back legs up (laughs) oh my gosh it's so funny Mm-hmm. um i don't have any movie recommendations this week 
but I do have two TV recommendations. The first one is on Disney Plus and it's not murder related. It's WandaVision. <laughs> and WandaVision is so good. Like, okay, so basically it's two Marvel characters. I don't know who they are. Uh, Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen's sister is one of them. <laughs> And that's all you need to know. But (laughs) every episode is a different uh, decade. So the first episode takes place in the 50s. The second episode takes place in the 60s. The third episode takes place in the 70s and so on. But it's so wild. And like they, the sets, like the first, the 50s episode is a replica of Dick Van Dyke's show. Oh, okay. And like the house is so like, if you guys ever watched Bewitched or um, Mm -hmm. I Dream of Jeannie, like it just brought me back to those days. Like I loved Nick at Night. Nick at Night. Yes. I did too. And then the 60s was also the same because those were both in black and white. And then at the end of the episode, it turns to color and then it's the 70s. And then it was just like Brady Bunch vibes. Like it's just like so nostalgic and the sets are so beautiful and the story is a little confusing you don't really figure out what's going on until I believe the third episode but yeah it's just like I don't know how to explain it but it's really good I don't I haven't seen a lot of the Marvel movies so I will say you guys don't have to watch those to watch this well that's good that makes sense yeah um and then the other show that I watched last week was um, one that I think I've talked about on this podcast before is Search Party. And it was on TBS and is it that, has a girl. Is that is that where they're trying to find Dory? Is it that one? Yes, that's the newest okay. season. So oh, okay. the first season was they were trying to find this one girl and then they get into all these this shit the second season is about them uh i can't remember it's just like whatever but john early is so phenomenal throughout every season but this season was so dark and i haven't ever laughed that hard like (laughs) it's so dark yet the funniest writing it's Dude. so good. So, guys, it's all out now on HBO. Go plus. That's, that's like plus. my favorite genre is like comedy horror. Oh, it's so good because it's like the first <laughs> season is like so mysterious and trying to find that out. But as it keeps going, you just find out these people are like not good people, but like <laughs> they're so dumb that like you almost love them like i don't know uh-oh are they crying <laughs> yeah clifford was whining. they're laughing <laughs> he's um, like oh, oh, oh but yeah oh. that was terrible that's not what he sounded like <laughs> do a dog sound for me rachel <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to make his whine appear as dog as laughter a- yeah, it's that like a prestigious British laughing. <laughs> Someone who's never laughed, laughed in before. Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh that, that was terrible. That was it's terrible. Okay. You got to work on it. It's okay. Now, now the next time you put a laugh track in, by the way, that episode was so funny. Oh my gosh. When I you know. were adding in the laugh tracks, um, just yeah. use my, my British man laugh. Who's never laughed oh my a day God, forever. <laughs> 
for the laugh track. Oh my god. That'd oh be so god. funny. Oh. I can stand up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Trying to look. Okay. He's out. Honey's staying. She's like, I found a comfortable spot on these pillows. I decided okay, yeah. I'm staying put. Only chill people in this podcast. Oh my god. I cannot. I can't stand up. My legs hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah. There's that feeling. Sometimes when I get like that, I'm like, if someone were to chase me or like try I would to die. Me, I would die. Like there's like no <laughs> way my legs would allow me to nope. get into a physical <laughs> shape in the next two seconds to nope. run for my life. I wouldn't magically just be able to go. I would just be like, all right, let me just stand here yeah, you're <laughs> and like, wait no, for the inevitable. You're like, I ran. I did a hard workout. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I ran two days ago. Today's not a good day. Not a good day. Oh, with this workout I did, I've done it. I've done it so many times. Like I, I've done it so many times now that like, I don't really have to like, look at the TV. I'm like, I turn on music now instead of like listening to like, okay, what are we going to do next? Instead of listening to the person, like give me instruction. I was like, I already yeah. know what we're going to do. I've done it so many times. Yeah. I do not know why I'm so sore after doing it. Maybe it's the combo of running and that. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But you got to push through it, girl. Tomorrow it's <sighs> another, we got some squats. We got <laughs> some chair squats, chair. What is those that you have to sit to like go against oh yeah like oh they're like the chair holds yeah Yeah. I think that's what they're called like squat holds or chair holds those are horrible but those are really bad Hmm. stay tuned to see if I survive (laughs) will we ever another summer bods stay tuned in the winter probably not that's okay (laughs) (laughs) honestly I feel like I'm on a good a good path I feel motivated still and it's been a month Mm-hmm. So I say that's a win. Now, have I, I so. lost weight? Barely. No. Yeah, but I have not. Is my motivation and my <clears throat> anger towards the scale still there? Yes. Very much and I so. will prove that scale wrong. I will. <laughs> Do it, girl. I don't girl. care I what it says. You. I, I don't care what you. it says. No. And today I have a story for you about a brave fucking woman. Oh, fuck. I made my screen. Oh, damn it. (laughs) You can have like multiple screens on the fucking lot. There we go. (laughs) Like if I want to have like another, like I can put you to the side and then have a fresh screen. Oh yeah. Like Like if you split it. Yeah. Yeah. But like you are behind it, if that makes sense. Like, oh, okay. That makes, yeah. I I couldn't see you, but I could hear you. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're there. I know you're there. Um, anyways, um, but I have a story for you that is truly, I had my jaw on the goddamn floor. Really? When I heard this story, it's, it's so crazy. And it's so too many women have gone through this, that there is literally a podcast about this topic. So let me start this story. The story I'm going to tell you today is about Peggy Clinky. So basically a little background. Uh, I listened to another podcast called Strictly Stalking. 
And I know many of you have full plates and maybe we're the only podcast that you listen to, or you have a few that you listen to, but I highly, highly recommend that you add strictly stocking to your list, especially if you're, no, I'm not going to say, especially if you're a woman listener, but as a female listening to that podcast, it makes me, uh, like just be aware like mm-hmm. like most of us we listen to crime podcasts to learn and mm-hmm. to just like now most of us know we get in our cars we immediately lock them we don't sit in parking lots we do like there's so many things we learn from these podcasts but with strictly stalking it's just like a just lot of these people to like a whole other level yes like Ugh. so many people are survivors in that case but it just there's so many people that say like, I was just living my life. There's nothing I could have done. Or there are some people that were like, yeah, she was a little crazy and off. And I wish I wasn't so nice. Like, I wish I would have like had my guard up. Like there's so many different perspectives, but with Peggy, like this story. Ooh. So highly recommend you guys go listen to it. But if you cannot I'm going to tell you this story today that was told on that show. Okay. Um, Debbie, Peggy's sister, now advocates and fights for criminal reform for stalking and how our justice system sees stalking. So Debbie is the one who told her sister Peggy's story. And now I'm going to tell you all it. I'm getting settled in. I'm ready. I got my, got my cup of tea. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So Peggy grew up in a normal household for the time. It was in the early 80s. And she had a mom that stayed at home with with the kids. She was one of four siblings. Her dad was a banker. They grew up in a town called Poland, Ohio. Oh, okay. I know. Isn't that such a fun (laughs) town? That's crazy. Um, All the children were involved in sports, so very typical upbringing. Peggy was jokingly referred to in her family as the hot sister. She was absolutely stunning. She had blonde hair, blue eyes. She was a cheerleader in high school. And she went to college and eventually started doing yoga instruction. And if you know any yoga instructors, you know that they have to have open hearts. Have you met Rachel? Because she's one of them. Rachel went to school to be said yoga instructor. instructor. I did. I did. did. Yeah. That was, that was hard training, man. That was a lot of information and a lot of just like, it was a lot of more. Yeah. It was a lot more um, anatomy lessons than I ever expected to really learn from there, but yeah. And patience and what to do what not to do on so many different body types on how to train and just like yeah and and be available to like hold the space for people who are going through so much more it's like yeah your own stuff to the side yeah that's crazy yeah you have to be like and you have to be so like I don't know calm so like you have to be like a presence so that other people can have like they're going whatever they're going through like yeah that's crazy Mm -hmm. honestly a lot of energy work work. (laughs) oh my god if you know rachel her energy is just sunsetty so uh when in college peggy's father passed away 
and Peggy took it the hardest of all the siblings. She had moved home to support her mom and then changed schools to one that was closer to home. After college, she started her first full-time job where she met a man named, or sorry, a man who was in the military. We don't know his name. He's just a blip. But she wanted to travel with him overseas and they actually got married. She moves with him to Italy for a year. Can you freaking imagine? Like, so glamorous. Like, I can only dream. Truly. Um, And when they move back to the States, it ends up falling apart. So Peggy Mm -hmm. then moves to Albuquerque, New Mexico in 1998. So Peggy then decides she wants to go to medical school. Like this girl is like brains and just like nothing is stopping her from like she if she thinks it she does it so Peggy then moved oh sorry uh so while taking courses in Albuquerque she meets Patrick Lee Kennedy he is a few years older than her and her sister recalls Peggy saying that Patrick had been married once before to a crazy ex they begin dating and Peggy has a has a trip planned to go home She hadn't invited Patrick because they were newly dating and it wasn't like they were really like committed to one another. It was pretty casual. And she obviously didn't tell him where her mom lived, but Debbie recalls opening the door to a stranger and behind her is Peggy stunned to see Patrick at the door. He said, I'm here to surprise you for the holidays. What? Yeah. Peggy wasn't charmed by this at all. Debbie recalls it all feeling like such a red flag. Yeah. Patrick's visit was a complete roller coaster, to say the least. He was overly helpful during his stay, but then would make comments like, I picked the wrong sister to sleep with. <gasps> Peggy's other sister. Can you? Oh. Yeah. Like, disgusting. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See the door over there? Please use it. Um, yeah, Debbie says her gut just said he was bad news. And it was obvious he was beginning the groundwork to put a wedge between Peggy and her family. He knew that that was her support system, so he wanted to make sure that they were out of the picture. After he left, the whole family was confused in what she saw in him. And Peggy assured them that it was casual and not to worry. She's focused on school, so the family lets it go. After this holiday visit, Patrick and Peggy continue dating. They actually end up dating for another three years. Oh, wow. And then move in together. So obviously, things became serious over the years. Mm -hmm. He had an eight-year-old daughter, so obviously, Peggy felt she needed to invest in the relationship if she was going to be in that child's life. So eventually Patrick weasels his way into Peggy's family vacations and one vacation he invites himself and brings his daughter. He also packed a gun for the vacation. He wouldn't let Peggy out of his sight. Peggy wasn't even allowed to go off and do activities with her sisters. And when they asked why he brought a gun, she wouldn't really give them an answer. It just felt oddly threatening. Mm-hmm. When it was clear there was no threat in the area he just like it was just oddly like there as a presence to like threaten peggy right it's so imposing yeah so as time went on peggy started to realize she wanted out of this relationship their other sister had gone on vacation 
and she went on vacation with her husband or boyfriend they didn't really specify at the time and Peggy had been telling her she needed a break from the constant watching of Patrick and I want to say your sister's name was Marilyn but I could be wrong because I Mm -hmm. was trying to read up but basically she had Debbie possibly Marilyn and then it was Peggy and then their brother so um basically this sister she went to Vegas so Peggy she convinces Peggy to finally book a flight to Vegas and come stay for just a few days she tells her so she books the ticket and goes to the airport and ends up spending the entire time in the bathroom throwing up and ends up missing her flight she was so anxious and fearful of what Patrick would do that she ends up getting incredibly sick and just going home oh my gosh yeah like so sad like ugh it's horrible. That, that's another huge red flag if you have that much anxiety over yeah. something like that and it's yeah. making you f- have a physical reaction like that because you're scared of what the other person's gonna say like you gotta get out of that yeah that's totally. terrifying oh my yeah. gosh yeah mm-hmm. so her sister Debbie says that abuse is much more than seeing bruises on a person's body abuse mm-hmm. can be like what happened to Peggy she was so mentally abused by Patrick that she became ill with fear in defying him and the repercussions what would, of what would come if she did defy him they later found out that the abuse was much worse than they knew he would tell her that she was stupid to apply for jobs or if she wore an outfit he felt was too flattering he would call her a slut any way to put her down so she wouldn't leave him and eventually they really wore her down he would sometimes apologize and buy her jewelry or flowers but it was a cycle that was consistent peggy's light just completely burned out when her sisters would remark on her change in personality, they would ask her, is everything okay? Why are you staying with him? And they would just get pushback from Peggy saying that they didn't understand the relationship or excuses that he had a rough childhood. Hmm. So it was hard to get through to Peggy, but Debbie believes she was just trying to survive. Like these were her tech, like her, like, um, deflecting the questions and just basically trying to survive her day to day like she's convincing herself that he had a hard childhood it's fine he apologizes Mm -hmm. like you start you start to you know get in that vicious cycle and he's like taking advantage of her niceness and her ability to like forgive and completely oh my god yeah so the final straw for Peggy took place at a good friend's wedding in 2001 who lived in Ohio. She hadn't told Patrick about this wedding because she didn't get a plus one for the wedding because weddings are expensive. Mm-hmm. So when Patrick found out, he canceled Peggy's flight and ended up booking two flights for the two of them and then attended that wedding uninvited. He made Peggy move seats to a table that wasn't with her family and would make sure to interrupt any conversation Peggy tried to have with her family at the wedding. That's so, that is like, it, that just makes me really upset. Like I'm infuriated for her. Yeah. What a dick. What a dick. He's just like so controlling. So like so blatantly, obviously controlling. Yes. So it's now January, 2002, a few months after the wedding. 
and Peggy is done with Patrick. While Patrick was out one day, she puts her plan into motion. She had secretly rented an apartment, and while Patrick was out, she quickly packed all that she could and moved to that apartment. Yeah. Once Patrick realizes she had moved out, he is upset. I mean, he's now lost his person that he controls, so Mm -hmm. he's mad. Well, he didn't know where Peggy lived, so when she arranges to get the rest of her things that she couldn't pack up in that quick day, Patrick had changed the code to the garage door. So she's like, uh, okay. So she goes to the front door and Patrick had put a chair against the front door so Peggy couldn't get in. He then calls police and tells them that he was in fear of his life because someone had been trying to break in the past few nights and then turns to Peggy telling her he thinks her life's in in harm's way so that she should stay with him to be safe. She's just looking at him and then the cop and being, she's just so confused. Like she's like, how did the like what like yeah so the officer then says to peggy is there anything you feel i need to know or are you in danger and peggy again just so confused looks to patrick and he gives her a stare that's like you better not say anything so she just kind of says no i just want to get my things and leave Mm mm-hmm that was kind of her chance to put it in writing how crazy Patrick was. But yeah. the relationship was over. She was getting the last of her things. Like she was done. Mm-hmm. She's out the door, right? Like you're just like, when you break up with someone, you get the final things that you got. And then you're just like, clean them off my fucking hands. Goodbye. Yes, exactly. So unfortunately, Patrick was not the type to clean right off of someone's hands. So because Patrick didn't know where she lived, he used her cell phone as a form of abuse. He would text her constantly, trying to guilt her with his daughter, saying that she missed her and that he missed her. But then he'd leave her messages calling her a fucking whore and then leave another message apologizing. So when Peggy wouldn't respond or answer his calls, he began to stalk her at work. And then he would he knew where her friends lived, so he started going to their homes as well. He then thinks, oh, I know what will get her back, a ring. So this is about six months into the stalking. And she had not responded to his texts, answered his calls. She had not given him an inch. And he goes to her work hides in the bushes outside with roses and the ring and then while she's walking by he proposes now peggy being the fucking badass that she is she walks right by him with no acknowledgement of him even being there oh my god can you imagine not even like (gasps) Oh my god, she's just like blinders. You're a ghost. Yeah, you ghost, ghost bitch. All you are was a bush. You're a fucking bush. That's all. <laughs> so damn. This sets him the fuck off because of course oh, I bet. control being mm-hmm. ignored is not something that's an abusive person takes lightly. No. So 
he is so angry that he goes to Kinko's or whatever was in town and makes 300 copies of a poster with her face that says, I cheat on my husband. I am a bitch. I'm a whore. I'm a slut. And then puts her phone number on it. And he posts all 300 around Albuquerque, New Mexico. What the fuck? Peggy found out about these because one was taped to her friend's salon door. Oh my, I cannot wrap my head around this person's behavior. Is that not just like- Insanity. The, you're going to find out more, but the amount of energy that he puts in to this- stalking that's true it's like I don't even know how he had a life no like he puts so much time and energy into this and money like it's just it's disgusting so of course now that she has more evidence Peggy goes to police she took her Mm -hmm. phone bill the flyer and all her accounts of when he's been stalking her and police told her it's just a piece of paper it's not hurting you it's 2002 so it's basically the 90s and police just do not give a shit the safety of women had not caught up with justice yet no so yeah disgusting Disgusting. at this point police are not doing anything so peggy has to continue just living in her life she meets a man named mark who's a damn angel and things are going (laughs) well But then Patrick finds out and adds Mark to his harassment list. So in June of 2002, their brother ends up getting married. So Patrick found out about the wedding and knew that the entire family was going to be in Florida for this wedding. So he flies to Ohio and spray paints on Peggy's mom's house. PK is a whore. Flies to another state. To Why? On one's garage door. What the fuck? Yeah. But he's still so angry. He flies right back home. And then s- Mark oddly gets a phone from Albuquerque Police and Fire and his neighbor freaking out. And it turns out that his house had been set on fire. Oh my God. Yeah. Peggy what? told the text, yeah. So he was so mad from Ohio, he went to Albuquerque and set Mark's house on fire. Uh, uh. Yeah. Like, Jaw and this is, this <laughs> like, is months after breaking up. Months. Like seven, six, seven months. Like, Lord. the rage in someone, the psychotic rage. Mm-hmm. So Peggy told detective detective she knew exactly who had done it. Yep. And they don't do anything. Peggy gave them so much evidence on why she knew Patrick did it, but it was an arson investigation and not a stalking case. So nothing was ever done. They're like, no, it's a, it's a different department. Sorry. Yeah, about. exactly. You're in the wrong department. And they're like, no, that's the other department. The other, no, it's just like, she's like, okay, well, you know what? I did the legwork and you guys don't want the evidence. So exactly. Peggy's like, okay, well, you know what? This is insane. I need an order of protection because he's burning down homes and police aren't doing shit to make her safe. So she took it into her own hands. 
Peggy files stalking charges and goes in for an order of protection. But then Patrick files for an order of protection against her and paints her as this drug addict, alcoholic, and it basically just seemed like they were both petty and were going to court. The judge just says, here's the deal. Just figure it out on your own. This obviously is a he said, she said situation. And you guys just need to stay away from one another. End of story. And smacks the gavel. Oh my God. So when they're walking out of the courthouse, Patrick looks at Peggy and says, I told you not to fuck with me. (sighs) So she found out while she was trying to get these charges against him that he had actually done this before. His air quote, crazy ex, had actually filed seven reports against him. The last police report she filed stated he is not going to be happy until he kills me or our young daughter. He is stalking me. Oh my God. And no one ever did anything for her. Like, she just found a new victim. Yeah. Peggy. Yeah. <sighs> so after finding out what Patrick was capable of, Mark and Peggy come to the decision that it would be best if Peggy just moves to another state, almost as if she's in witness protection. Right. The only person who knew her address was her mom. So not even her family knew where she lived. And she ends up moving to Turlock, California. They thought this would be the solution to the stalking, but it wasn't. Patrick finds out who's Peggy, Peggy's moving company and poses as a police officer and said he needed to get in touch with Peggy. They end up not telling him anything because obviously it's sketch. Why would a, he calls, he calls the moving company saying that he has personal belongings that belong to Peggy and he wants to get them to her. Now, why would a police officer call a moving company? So this seems completely suspicious to the comp- the woman that answered the phone. So she's, yeah. I, by law, can't tell you anything. And she calls Peggy immediately. And she says, listen, I don't have anything involving an officer. It's my stalker. Please do not tell him anything. And she's like, yeah, of course. Right. He gets nowhere with that. He then gets a private investigator. Now, this private investigator kind of figured out quickly that he was a piece of shit. And okay. he gets small little morsels from the PI, but he ends up never paying him. So he, the PI quits. Yeah. And like, he, why would he be doing the legwork if he's not getting Exactly. Paid? Exactly. No, so he works. hits a dead end with that PI as well. Mm-hmm. This, of course, pisses him off because now he has to do the work. Well, he calls Peggy's mom saying, I know where Peggy lives and I'm going to kill her in two minutes. Well, that scares them. But her sister knew better. Debbie's like, I know that Peggy's with Mark. Yeah. Going on a ski trip. So she calls local police in Albuquerque to Mm -hmm. do a welfare check at Mark's house. And Peggy's there. So Peggy was afraid Patrick had actually killed her mom when the police showed up to do the welfare check. Oh, God. I know. So Debbie filed a death threat complaint to the prosecutor and she even called the prosecutor, leaving him a message saying, I want to make sure you got that death threat complaint I filed. Um, And that officer ends up, oh, sorry, the prosecutor ends up calling Peggy back and not Debbie. 
And when he realizes Peggy had answered the phone, he says, oh my God, you're still alive. What? Yeah. Almost half joking, half shock. Uh, like truly read the room this woman is scared for her life and that's your fucking response i i would be so i would be so scared thinking that audacity oh my god yeah oh my god you're still alive who says that yeah apparently this guy it was a death threat not like an actual death like yeah Jesus. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. So it's now December of 2002. And Patrick mailed all of the family photos that Peggy had left when she moved out, but sends them back to the family absolutely destroyed. And the postmark on the box was in San Jose, California, which was too close for comfort to where Peggy was hiding out. They file another police report because although it's not illegal that he sent these photos, it is threatening behavior. And location is scary. Mm -hmm. So Peggy at this point had got a protective order against Patrick. So he was avoiding it by sending things to her family. Mm. So Peggy came home for Christmas in 2002 after this whole event, knowing that Patrick was sending stuff to her family and um all this stuff with the prosecutor but peggy wanted normalcy she wanted to see her family but patrick knew where her mom lived obviously so this visit wasn't normal peggy was on edge the entire time she was she wouldn't stand in front of windows and everything would make her jump she tried her best to enjoy the family time but it was clear she was a complete wreck peggy went back to work after the holidays And a trial was set for the charges against Patrick for January 22nd for the stalking charges. During this time, Patrick began to pose as a police officer. He went to the extent that he even made business cards and began to case neighborhoods in California. Like he would make frequent flights from New Mexico to California doing legwork in areas he thought she lived in that's psychotic that is so psychotic isn't it just fucking crazy that's so scary always he always had his gun on him so he was always ready to find her so he had her picture and he would ask if anyone knew her he basically just would tell the story that he needed to give her a check that he owed her money, but he just can't find her. Um, and then he had his business cards. So while he's going around, he would be like, if you see her, call me. So he was really getting nowhere with this until mm-hmm. one day he ran across a UPS driver. The driver saw the picture and said that he knew her, but he's not allowed to give information, of course. Mm-hmm. Gives him a business card and says, think about it because I really could use your help. I just need to collect. Oh, he, ne- he needed a check from her. Sorry. I just need to collect this check from her. It's not that serious. Not a big deal. Just acts very chill. Mm-hmm. Well, that UPS driver goes home, mulls it over and ends up calling Patrick <gasps> and giving him the address. No. 
And I know that that driver, one, lost his job, and two, there were some repercussions for that. You cannot give customers addresses. Like, no no matter what. No. 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 Oh, I hope he lost his job. I hope so, too. I don't know what came of that UPS driver. Oh, my Lord. Mm Mm-mm. So on Saturday, January 18th, only days before Peggy is about to go to court, finally, to get some relief from living in fear, she goes out to her garage and is ambushed by Patrick. He brings her in the house, and while she's out, he tapes her mouth and then her wrists behind her back. She's able to loosen the tape on her wrists and mouth, and thankfully for Peggy, her neighbor, Rachel, had made plans with her that day. So during all of this, her neighbor Rachel is at the front door knocking and ringing the doorbell. Peggy eventually is able to get her hands free and runs to the door. Rachel is stunned by Peggy and the blood that is running down her head. Peggy had been beaten in the head with a handgun and was (gasps) bleeding quite a bit. Oh my god. She tells Rachel that her stalker had found her and he's going to kill her. So they run to Rachel's condo. They barricade themselves in the bedroom and call 911. While on the phone with Patrick, while on the phone 911, Patrick breaks in through the sliding glass door and finds Peggy on the phone. He didn't know Rachel was there as well, and he tells Peggy to hang up the phone. She tells the dispatcher, I have to go. He's going to kill me. He makes Peggy lay down on the ground and puts the gun to the back of her head. At this point, police and SWAT had arrived, and they were trying their best to get his attention off Peggy, and Peggy was trying to get him to talk, but he wasn't having it. Then he realizes that Rachel is in the back of the closet and tells her to get the hell out. While that's happening, the officer is trying to get in the room, but Peggy begs him not to come in because he's going to kill her if he does. Okay. Now, this is when it gets, like, really, really heartbreaking. So, heads up. I cried really hard when I heard this. So, Peggy then pleads with the officer to just please call her mom and tell her that she loves her. Peggy goes on to ask that they call her young niece, who had been sick, and tell her that she will have a guardian angel watching over her. And lastly says call my sister and tell her to name her baby after me. Her sister, Debbie, was pregnant with her niece. Moments later, Patrick ends Peggy's life and then his own. Oh, my God. (sighs) Well, while this is happening, the entire family is getting ready for their niece's sixth birthday party. So the family hadn't heard from Peggy all day, but they were so distracted with the birthday party that it didn't really hit until that night. Debbie is at her mom's house with the daughters and she puts them to bed and then the front doorbell rings. Debbie recalls she was always afraid of that front door at her mom's house because it was a long hallway to the door and she always imagined Patrick would show up with a gun and shoot everyone in the hall. So she peers around the corner and sees police at the door. She walks down the hall and opens the door and asks police, as soon as she opens the door, did Patrick Kennedy kill my sister? She just knew immediately. Mm -hmm. 
Debbie was, of course, so sad, but also so mad. She almost immediately started working on advocating for stalking victims. January is now National Stalking Awareness Month in honor of Peggy, and to this day, works to make sure there is education for police and college campuses about stalking and how to see signs. Wow, that's heartbreaking. It's truly like, she stayed so, like, Peggy stayed so brave until the last Mm -hmm. fucking second of her life. But she, and thinking of other people, Mm -hmm. like giving them requests to make sure her family knows these last, like, words. Mm -hmm. That she didn't die without them knowing those things. Exactly. That they were her last thoughts. They were. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sad. Isn't that like the most, like, it truly, like, as soon as I heard it, I knew I, like, needed to, like, tell everyone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Peggy's story, like. And don't stop fighting even if people aren't believing you or if, like, if you're not getting help from the people who should be helping you, like, police officers. It's like. Yeah. No, there's. It's not just like, oh, I'm just complaining about my ex. It's like, no, this is really no. yeah, serious. Yeah, this is serious. Yeah. And her, and her life could have been saved if mm-hmm. if someone took it more seriously. Yeah. If they took a hard look at it. Mm-hmm. That's awful. Like she was days away from finally like, I mean, I don't know what could have come after that trial, but because mm-hmm. sometimes they say like stalkers, like getting a protective order makes it worse. It does yeah it does nothing because, yeah like uh, so one, to speak. They could, yeah they can just ignore it or two they they're excited to see you so it makes it worse yes they, like exactly wanted or they want to break it so they can go to court and see you again yeah it's just, they fucking that's so fucked up you know oh, i'm just sad so like she's such a fighter mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah it was just constant. Yeah, exactly. She should, oh, that's just so awful. Like to live her, like her last moments, just wanting some normalcy, wanting some peace of mind, just like moving mm-hmm. and like. Away from still, her family, away from her boyfriend that she was in love with. Like yeah. just living this, like just in fear. Like she wasn't even living a normal life by then. Like she no. was trying to make it as normal as possible. She was working, had her friends, but like. It was not the life she wanted. Like she would be with her boyfriend and Mm -hmm. living in that home, you know? So, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm, you know, grateful that her sister didn't just like let it end with Peggy. That she was so, she was angry enough to, you know, get this thing moving. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to take a little fire in order to, really get things moving in the right direction and hopefully people will just pay more attention to signs and pay more attention to people asking for help who actually need help yeah for sure my god well go listen to strictly stalking it is a really hosts are a little odd but the (laughs) the way they i just feel like sometimes like people on it 
like will say jokey things like there was one girl that was a tiktoker and they got her to come on and tell her story that she had told on a tiktok and Mm -hmm. she the way she deals with her stalking was like making self-deprecating jokes Mm -hmm. and every time she'd make a joke they were like silent oh no it was just like yeah like she's like yeah you know like I was so silly like I just went to like frat parties and like yeah crickets (laughs) (laughs) it was just like guys get a personality don't just ask questions yeah so how did your mom feel when you told them that you were being stalked get a personality (laughs) (laughs) It's a little too dry sometimes. But sometimes they do ask questions that are like leading questions and you'll get more from the person that had the stalking happen to them. But anyways, the people, it's all first, except for this one, um, it's all first person accounts. They tell their own stories. And in the beginning, there's some really, really crazy stories, like crazy neighbors that like Mm -hmm. stalk them, crazy. Like you'll you'll just hear different types of stories. So it's not all like incredibly depressing and sad, like Peggy's story, but yeah. But that one's, it's eye-opening. It's something that should make people pay more attention to. Absolutely. And it hurts incredibly eye-opening yeah her story should be told well I'm glad that you told it for the for our listeners yeah I felt it was too important not to tell exactly exactly all right well you gotta go so you have some reprimanding to do that little girl (laughs) just thought she was so funny (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be so funny when she yeah once I get a hold of her (laughs) she's in a kennel just kidding (laughs) just give her an ipad and a comfy blanket and put her in a kennel dude right she basically had her set up and she was good like i had peeked out there when like the dogs were kind of trying to come in and out and i looked and she looked so comfy cozy like with her blankets her giant ass teddy bears like she got all her stuffed animals like what is there not to like she's in the mood to you know annoy she's in a a troublemaker mood yeah she's in the mood to start some trouble. <laughs> she's gonna knock that shit off. Hopefully she just goes to sleep. <laughs> oh my God, you wish. I wish. Never. Nobody sleeps in this house except my husband. He's the only one who gets to sleep in this oh house. Oh God. Anyway. And the, <laughs> and the dog. Yeah, they get to nap all day too. You lucky yeah. bastards. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, we'll see you guys for another story. What? That's not what I say. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week for another horrible story. Jesus Christ. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.